Well, good morning once again, and welcome. It's so good to be with you all here today on this Sunday morning. I want to say hi to those who are watching at home on Facebook Live and YouTube. Uh, we're glad that you're worshiping with us. Hello also to those listening later in the week on our church podcast to this sermon. And of course, welcome to all of you here in person. Here's a fun fact for you. There have been three U.S. presidents, um, all of them founding fathers, who died on the 4th of July. John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, and James Monroe. And one president, Calvin Coolidge, who was born on the 4th of July. Wow. These fun facts have nothing to do with the sermon, but thank you for listening. Um, our scripture lesson today comes to us from the Gospel of Mark. It's chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. You can follow along on your pew Bible, up on the screen, or just listen. May this be God's word for you today. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What is it that you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Then Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant. It is for, the, it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten heard this, the ten disciples, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them and said, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. For whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for, as a ransom for many. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we're continuing this morning with a summer sermon series about spiritual practices or disciplines of the Christian faith. And each week we're looking at different ways to kind of put into action the things that we believe. These are different practices that draw us closer to God and help us to grow or mature in our Christian faith and life. So today's topic is service. Serving, helping, blessing others is an action of our faith. In 1993, when I was 15 years old, our church took a, a mission trip down to Mexico with the Moore Ministries to build houses. This is the same organization that our church, PCLG, uh, does our Mexico mission trips with even now. And I remember so clearly in 1993, crossing the border for the very first time, and seeing suddenly out the window the difference between San Diego, California and Tijuana, Mexico. And if you've been to those two cities, you know uh, the, the, the differences that, that are there. It was my very first time um, seeing in person uh, real material poverty and neglect and need in that way. And I remember this family that we were building this house for that week, how they would come out every day to, to try and help us on the site, to talk with us in, in, our, in our high school Spanish, to bring us little treats to eat or drink. And I remember sitting that day, the last day on the work site as we had that finished house, sweaty, dirty, and crying. 
sitting on the floor of the house, weeping, because I did not want to leave. There was something so powerful about being part of a team like that, that had a mission like that to show in tangible ways the love and joy and care of God for those who needed it. It was, in a way, the first great awakening of my life. It was a beginning for me of asking questions, bigger questions maybe, about how the world works, about the experiences of those beyond my own small life experience, the realities outside of my own hometown, and how I might also use my life to serve or help others. And this isn't my call story into vocational ministry. It's not my story of how I became a church pastor. That came later. But it was a, a moment, an experience, a spark that opened my heart to see and hear and care about the real needs of people in the world. And it came for me through service. Maybe it was predestined by God, you know, that I would always have become a person who cares about the needs of others and tries to help or serve. But I think it's more likely that I was part of a family and of a church that gave me opportunities to serve. I think it's more likely that when we are part of families and a church family that highlights, prioritizes, and gives opportunities to serve, that that value grows in us. That through those experiences, whether in the distant land of Mexico or around the world or here locally, when we put our hands to the labor of the Lord, to bless and help and serve, we grow up through that tangible experience. We grow into a deeper, more compassionate and real faith, one that sees the world not as a broken place to be fled, but a place where God is already at work inviting us to join in. Jesus said, whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be the slave of all. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, you know, the one who turned to see the one in need after others had ignored it and spent their time and their money and their effort to help. Jesus, we remember, was the one who wrapped a towel around his waist and knelt down on the floor and took on the role of a servant, the one who was washing the feet, the dirty feet, the dirty, smelly feet of his disciples. You know, every year during Holy Week, there is news out of Rome because there's this tradition that the, the Pope, the Pope will um, wash the feet of a group of people. And maybe you've seen this over the years, to do what Jesus did, literally, and wash their feet. And in 2016, Pope Francis actually changed the Vatican rules to allow the Pope to wash the feet of women as well as men. Before that, they were not allowed to touch those feet. But now they can he washed the feet of young people in a juvenile detention center. And then another year, he washed the feet of refugees who arrived on the shores of Europe. And every year, it seemed like he was upping the ante. Pope Francis was upping the ante of what he was going to do. He was like those Olympic divers we've been watching, you know? They keep adding another flip, another turn into their dive off the platform. You don't know how they keep doing it. When I hear this kind of news about um, what Pope Francis is up to to help or serve others, I kind of get Pope Francis envy. 
Do you know what I mean? Like a little bit of Pope Francis envy. How is he doing all these things? How is he driving around in the Pope mobile and he still has time to wash the feet of refugees? That's pretty cool. Maybe it's just pastors because we're supposed to be do-gooders, but I'll bet everyday Presbyterians like you also might have that sense when you hear about something that someone else is doing. All those amazing initiatives or service opportunities, you might get some form of Pope Francis envy. I wish I was doing something like that. But here's where we run into what Jesus tells his disciples in our scripture passage today. He has two of his followers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who come to him and they say, Teacher, uh, we want you to do something for us. Let us sit at your right hand and your left hand when you're on your throne in your kingdom. They're imagining kind of like a throne room, and he's, Jesus will be in the center, and they'll be right tucked up close to him inside the, picture, inside the frame. You can't crop them out, you know, for future art history paintings or to be up on the screen. They'll be right there. We want that place of honor to be recognized and seen as being very important. And Jesus rebukes them. He tells them, you've got it backwards. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you've got to be serving others, not seeking to be recognized and praised by all of them. So it occurs to me that Pope Francis um, is not out there doing everything that he is doing because he wants me or you to feel badly about ourselves. Right? He does, he's not doing it for that reason. He's not doing it just to raise his profile on social media. I, I think that he's simply using his position and his interests to serve people in the way that he can. He's the Pope. He has special access. He can do things that matter in a certain way. Others of us will have a different calling. After all, if you went to the jail here in Santa Clara County, the county jail, and you went in and told them, I'd like to stop in and wash the feet of all the prisoners, they'd throw you out. They wouldn't let you in. You know, it's, it's a health violation. It's HIPAA. It's COVID. It's safety. It's not allowed. But if the Pope came to town, oh yes, he'd be down at Santa Clara County Jail washing feet, and we'd all be looking bad like we never thought of it. I think the question that each of us has to consider is not, what, is not about what Pope Francis is doing in his position or his life with his gifts and his interests, but what God is calling us to be about in our own lives, our own places, our own circumstances. What are the ways that we are called and gifted to serve? So I want to give you some ideas today, just some kind of guidelines and categories to help you as you think about the Christian discipline of service. Um, so here they are. The first one is this. When you think about taking on a discipline of service, trying to serve in some way, um, I want to suggest that you serve in your area of passion. Think about your own passion area, what you are interested in, what you care about. Each of us is uniquely created by God, each of us. We're not dittos, we're not copies, we're not the same exactly as anybody else. So each of us will have our own passion areas, things that just get us going, get, um, uh, draw our interest, and that's our passion area. I saw on Facebook recently this photo, I'll show it to you. Um, it's a, there's somebody who is giving blood with the American Red Cross, and they've gone so many times that they had gotten this pin that said they had given a full gallon a gallon of blood. And I saw somebody back there who's given a gallon. Okay, all right. Um, every time they go, they give a pint of blood, and there are eight pints in a gallon. So that's a lot of blood. Um, and they, and the, but for this person who I saw this, put this pin up, this is their interest. 
Um, I heard the story that they had gone through a surgery and had families who had been blessed by receiving blood, so they said, let me be a person who gives blood. Just their interest area, their passion area in that medical um, help. So they gave a, a gallon of blood. The question for you today as you sit here and, and think about this, if you're at home and you're, and you're sitting on your couch wondering, is um, what are you passionate about? What are you interested in? And find ways to serve others in that area. So first, serve in your passion area. Second, serve in your area of giftedness. Serve in your area of giftedness. Look for what you're good at. St. Paul writes that we are all part of one body of Christ, but the body has many parts, many members, many different kinds of gifts, and all of us are called to use our gifts for others. I remember once I was on a weekend retreat with a church, and I was a guest. I was a visitor. I did not know this church, so I arrived at the conference center on a Friday night, and as I was walking in, there was a man at the door sitting there, and without looking at me, acknowledging me, greeting me, maybe even making eye contact, he handed me a piece of paper, which was the agenda, kind of the schedule for the weekend, and he just kept sitting there. And I walked in, and I realized that this was the welcoming committee. And I thought, you know, this is a person not serving in his gifted area. Um, uh, he, he gave me the opposite feeling of being uh, welcomed. There's an elder in our church here who has a gift, a great gift for organizational leadership, mentoring, adaptive change. And at every turn, I see her using her gifts for others. At every turn, she's bringing her gifts in her specific area of expertise and saying, this is something I know about, I care about, and I offer it in service. Maybe here in our church community, I can offer you some ideas about how to think about um, finding that area of giftedness for you. First, we, are, we know that we are blessed with, the, with an awesome music ministry, right? We hear it every Sunday. We're, we experience it every week. Maybe you are a person out there who says, I, I like to sing, but I've never been in a choir. And here's Michael Taylor, who would love to talk with you about joining the choir, wherever Michael is sitting today. And maybe you're a person who says, I'd like to sing or play an instrument. Maybe I'd like to join the worship band. And here's Rita, Rita Hagel, who would love to talk with you and um, have you join with her in the worship band. Maybe you're a person who's seen those bell choir when they go up there. You ever see the bell choir? You say, who are those ladies? What are they up to? Maybe you'd like to try out the bells. Isn't it something that you could be good at? So um, here is Ruth Ann Martinez, another person. Oh, there's contact info. How helpful. Um, you could write that email down and reach out to them this week. Maybe you have a gift for music and you'd like to serve in some way. There are opportunities. Each week we do all kinds of things here on a Sunday morning as a church. I'm talking about just church life stuff, you know, like ushers and greeters, people who hand out the bulletins, people who are not like that guy at the conference center, you know, who, who want people to know that they're welcome. Where to go? Where's the bathroom? Where do my kids go? Uh, is it okay to come in? Can I eat a donut hole or two? Maybe you want to sign up to be an usher just once a month, once a year. I don't know. Something as a way to say, I'll serve in this area because you might have a gift for hospitality, a gift for organizing, a gift for uh, welcoming. The sign-up link um, is, is available. It's on our church website, and we are going to put it into the chat box on Facebook and all those good things. Oh, there it is. That's the website. You know, on our website, if you go to that sign-up page, there's all kinds of things you can sign up for. That's a good thing to check out. Starting in September, we're going to have weekly readers on Sunday mornings here in the church, like right over there in the lectern. Picture this. You could be standing there. Ooh, yes. Um, and Mary Jane Humphrey is our lector coordinator, and she coordinates who's going to be the reader for the Sunday and, and who gets, who's going to read the scripture for us. You can reach out to her and email her and say, hey, Mary Jane, put me on the list. 
once a year. I'll stand up here and read the, Lord, the word of the Lord. Ooh, very exciting. But only if you have the spiritual gift of reading. Like, I don't know, but like if you can read, you can do this particular task. It's great. Um, so serve where you're passionate. Serve where you are gifted. But third, number three, serve the common good. Seek to serve the common good. Sometimes there are things that we are asked to do that is not our favorite, it's maybe not our interest, but it's just got to get done. In the life of a community, a church community, or the larger one, there's things that just got to get done. I love when I meet people who are seeking to serve the common good. Common good people are good to be around. You always want to know them. Um, this requires us putting some of our own preferences aside and saying, I will be part of doing this bigger task or this good thing. I will contribute to the larger whole. This coming September 12th, it's going to be our kickoff Sunday here at the church. You know, it's kind of this big Sunday where we come back and afterwards we're going to have food out back. It should be a really festive day. Um, and on that day, it takes a lot of workers, you know, like all of our events. And maybe it's not your spiritual gift to set up chairs or to empty garbage cans, but those are some of the things that need to get done for the common good. Would you consider serving as a spiritual practice, saying, I will serve the common good for my church or in the community? Maybe you'll sign up to be part of the cleanup or setup. Talk to Elder Colette Linner about that. In two weeks, on August 28th, we have our next all-church workday here on campus. And this is another example of serving for the common good. We all use our campus, we ourselves and our church, to worship indoors, to meet outside. Uh, our neighbors use it and enjoy it. It's just a sign of generous welcome. Our gardens are great, all the rest. And it takes some work for us to keep it up. I wonder if you would serve in that way, serve your church in that way. Um, Maybe sign up this week to be part of that so we can plan our lunches. Uh, it's going to be great. It's August 28th. It's a Saturday. It's just a few hours in the morning. Maybe it is, um, maybe it is not. Sorry, I'm going to see if I can do this one. Ready? Maybe it is not your spiritual gift to be a generous giver. Some people have a spiritual gift of financial giving. Maybe it's not your gift. And yet, in order to serve the common good, maybe that's something you would take on. Let me be a regular giver, because I know that it goes to support the larger work of our church. We don't go around the campus, around our church, and like um, vote on the most popular things and just fund those things with our money, as if we did, they have no light bulbs, you know? So we, instead, we pool our resources and we bring them together for the common good. And then we really try to be discerning how we're going to use those funds. And so when you are giving to the common good, that's a way of serving your church through your giving. Um, another thing coming up, I'll just say one more on this, is um, October 23rd. It's the next Rise Against Hunger food packing event through our mission committee. Our mission committee has been sitting out here out in the courtyard recently just thinking, how is our church going to serve our community? And this is one of the ways. October 23rd, Saturday morning, we'll be outdoors. Um, we're going to pack either 10,000 or 15,000 meals for people in need. 10,000 or 15,000. Depends on how many people sign up. If more people sign up, we'll do 15. If less people sign up, we'll do 10. If nobody signs up, Martha Wills, the mission elder, is going to do it herself. So listen, help her out. Um, this is an opportunity to be part of the common good. We're not going to eat these food meals. They're going to be sent to people around the world who have needs. So, so serve in your passion area. Serve out of your giftedness. Serve the common good. And I have one more. Serve in secret. Serve in secret in a hidden way. 
We remember that Jesus said, beware of practicing your piety before other people so as to be seen by them. A lot of our service, and let's just be honest, a lot of our service is seen or known or heard about by others. That's just the nature of serving. You know, if you're out, like, picking up garbage on the side of the road, a lot of people are going to drive by and see you. They'll know you did it. But if you want a challenge, try this. Serve in secret. No social media posts, no special t-shirts, no public announcements, just helping others in some unseen way, but seen by God. I wonder what that would be for you. Is that a challenge? Are you one of those people who likes a challenge, want some homework? Find a way to serve in secret. In my house, this is what happens often. This is the way I operate. Um, I will go around doing some chores, you know, running the dishwasher, folding the laundry, shopping for groceries, and all these good things I've done for the household, and then I will text Lisa and itemize all that I have done. You know, let her know how, just how good I have been. And it's kind of a running joke. She'll be like, do you want some credit for that? Is that what you're looking for? Do you want a cookie? you want a pat on the head? Because you've got food for your own children in your house? A lot of our service will be known and seen by others, but I wonder this week if there's a way that you could help or serve or bless someone without everybody knowing. In secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. What would that act of service be for you? Maybe take it on as an offering to God. No credit given, except what God will give you directly. So those are my four um, categories and areas for you today. Like all spiritual disciplines, this Christian practice of serving has the potential to be law, like this. You better serve in these ways or you'll be a bad Christian. But instead, we are taking the approach of grace. The word grace means a gift. God has given you gift graciously given you a gift in your life. The gift of your passion, what you care about. The gift of your abilities, what you're good at. The gift of being a part of a church, common good. The gift of free will, you can act in secret if you want to. And all of these good gifts are offered to you as an invitation today that God is giving you to help and love and serve the people in, who you meet around you in your life and beyond. You don't have to be Pope Francis to serve others in good ways. As you do, as you seek to take on the practice of service this week, my prayer is that God will meet you and strengthen you in your faith. God bless you. Amen.